And if you just let your eye run down, verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Father, take your word for these few moments and inscribe it within all of our hearts. For Jesus' name's sake we pray. Amen. We have looked at fellowship in the gospel. I'm not going to even do a recap because of just time's flown already. Fellowship in the gospel. We have looked at furtherance of the gospel. We have looked at defense of the gospel. Or that was last week, where was the word apologia? Where we get our word apology from? That we're not apologizing for the gospel, nor the truths of the word of God, but it's really from scripture proving what we believe. That's the apologetics. And that's where the word defense comes from. Now we looked at that in different ways and we don't, can't really go down anymore into that. But this morning, we're going to look at living the gospel. Living the gospel. Look at our, our chapter, Philippians 1 verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Notice the word conversation. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now the term there, conversation, means every area and every aspect of one's life. In other words, how you live, how you conduct yourself. And we'll look even further, how you believe this word matters. How you believe matters. What you believe matters. Uh, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. It means to walk as citizens, Paul's saying. Walk as citizens. And the idea here is not that while we, not only while we walk here in this life down on earth, but we must remember that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. So, yes, every one of us are sinners saved by sovereign grace, and we're kept by that sovereign grace because really we, we sin every day, whether it's in whatever way we don't even realize. Yes, that's true, we're sinners saved by grace, but you must understand that you and I are the sons and daughters of the living God. Because the Spirit of God is within you, because you're washed in the blood of Jesus by faith, because you're sealed by the Holy Ghost unto the day of redemption, you now, with the authority of the Word of God, you and I are elevated. We're lifted up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we're seated. You see, when you go to work, and it's the poor downtrodden Christian. No brother, no sister. You go to work, you're a child of the king. That's the way it is. You're a child of the king. Oh, I'm going to go here and they're going to get at me again and they're going to run things down. Yes, and that happens and it can be discouraging, but you need to realize, no, hold on a minute. My citizenship is from there. My citizenship is from glory. My citizenship is in heaven, and that heaven is coming to earth when Christ returns. But now in the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, the citizenship of heaven lines up with the citizenship of God's redeemed, his, his children. 
So the citizenship that's in heaven is within you right now, fashioning you, making you, forming you to be what? To be arrogant? No. To become more like him. Become more like Christ. So whenever we're looking at living the gospel, your conversation, let it your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. We are to walk and remember that we're citizens of the heavenly kingdom, the new Jerusalem. Well, here's the thing. The new Jerusalem isn't the old Jerusalem that's in Canaan land today, the land of Israel. You know what the new Jerusalem is? People have these pictures of this big city coming down like a spaceship. No. <laughs> you know what the new Jerusalem is? You are. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the redeemed. You are the new Jerusalem. And so when Christ comes again to Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is you and I in whom he lives. We are the new Jerusalem. And our citizenship comes down from heaven, as it were. And we rule and reign with Christ. So we have to understand, let your lifestyle, your conversation, be as it becometh the gospel. And live like that. The term here is uh, uh, becometh. It gives the idea of a weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. A weight. Or to weigh something against something else. The saints are to see to it that their manner of life weighs as much as the gospel that they profess to believe. Now let's think about that. We're going to look at the next part. We're not going to get it done today. And I'm going to give you a break for a week of it, and then we're going to do it back another week. I've asked Arne to do next Sunday morning, and then I'll do it the next week. But the term here to live according to the gospel, it means living right before God. Absolutely it does. But here's what it means also. It means to take the authority of that word. To live according to that word. To step in to the authority of that word. And to walk your life as though you really, really believe it. I believe when I'm praying for people. See, if I'm praying for people and I'm going, I don't know if you're going to heal this person or not, just don't pray. Just forget about it. Just forget about it. And what if I don't get healed? Well, then we'll move on to the next one. It's up to God. I don't do the healing. Move on. What if they do get healed? It's, a, it's taking the word and living in it. Taking the word of living. You have a need this morning. You have a need. Whatever that need is. People don't know what your need is. Maybe I know and others don't. I usually do know and most nobody knows. Anyhow, because you tell me. But you have a need. Listen, you may be going through a storm. Here's the thing. Sometimes the Lord doesn't remove or change the storm. He changes you in the storm. <laughs> That you can walk through the storm because you know why there's going to be another one another time. And it's not going to go, we'll remove that storm, we're going to remove that storm. Listen, sometimes we are children, we have to give them tough love, don't we? To get them to grow up, to learn. You don't like what's happening to them, but they need it. And why? Because they need to learn for future life. The same here is living as becoming the gospel. Your conversation, your lifestyle as it becometh the gospel of Christ is this is that if you are to believe that Christ is within you 
and that you are, have the word of God, which is the authority of the word, then you're walking as a child of the king, a son or a daughter, blood-washed and blood-bought. You are sealed unto the day of redemption. And here's the thing. You're walking and saying, then, Lord, if you're not changing the storm, then you're changing me. Look, brothers and sisters, I could pray with you till the cows come home, as they say. I could pray with you morning, noon, and night because you're in a storm, and, and we would support you, try and help you through it. We would do that. Obviously, we would. But I'll tell you, see if God's doing something in you, and you're not yielding to what he's doing, it doesn't matter a row of beans what we pray. I won't count our row of beans. We're wasting our breath. Because God's saying, I'm dealing with him, within, with her. And until you're yielded and changed, walking as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That's what it is. That's what it is. Notice here, the idea that the becometh is the is that we will believe the words and our lifestyle. Not only our lifestyle and living, clean living as it were, but our lifestyle will be wed, as it were, to what we believe. Lord, it's like when the Spirit brought that word forth. I usually can never, when I give an interpretation in the Spirit, I can never remember. This is the only bit I remember, something like this. People actually remind me after it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just in the spirit. I don't remember it. I've just forgot it. <laughs> yes. You asked for more of me. Something like that, wasn't it? You cried for more of me. Something like that. But when I give you it, was it you don't, I can't remember, but you don't want it. <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it? And, and such is the way, that's what we're like. We're saying, we want more of the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes and does things in our midst, and you're close, and He challenges you, and you don't like it, listen, there's things, I don't like the Lord when He's doing things. What He's doing, I like the Lord, I don't like the things that He does. I love the Lord. There's things I don't like Him doing. Family, death, I hated the whole time we lived in a whole realm of death for a couple of years or more. I mean, it's just one after the other, after the other, dying, dying, dying. And I'm praying, saying, Lord, what is happening here? Yet everybody what we're praying for, and we're taking missions, and people were getting healed. I'm going, hello. I told you I left one hospital, a city hospital with my dad in intensive care. He eventually passes away. And the Lord told me, get up and go to Craig Alvin Intensive Care. And I had to leave my own father because I knew the Lord wanted me. And I went to Craig Alvin Intensive Care. And I prayed for a woman in her 80s who, who said to me, I've given all the... She was in the intensive care. Family's waiting outside. They're waiting on her passing away. And, and, the, and she says, I've given all the, the hymns to my daughter. And she mentioned her daughter's name. And I knew her. And this is what I want, Pastor. And I says, listen, the Lord has told me that I have to come here and pray with you. You're getting out of that bed. Do you know what that takes? It's not that I'm brave. Either I was just obedient or thick because I'm going, Lord, this really takes a, this takes something. That woman is still alive today. 
That woman got out of her sick bed and sat at the side of her bed by that evening and was sitting eating her breakfast the next morning. The family around waiting on her going on her sort of, if you want her dying breaths. And I said, no, the Lord says you're not dying. You're getting out of the bed. And everybody's like, this man's lost it. <laughs> and I walked away and left them. We have to live as we believe in the depth and the authority of this word. Either it's the word of God or it isn't. And you and I say, give us more, Lord. But whenever we do, we put them into the wee mental box that we have never, we don't believe in this stuff. And we have never come across this before. Listen, see, because somebody hasn't come across it, you, do, you, you haven't experienced it before, it doesn't mean to say it's not true, you know. Living according to the word, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In other words, let what we believe and we say we believe, if it's measured against what we see in our life, not only the living of our life. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you believe that God is real, we'll talk about this in another week, but see if you believe God is real, then you better, we better start believing it and start walking it and start living it. Because many of us have a, an idea that God might be real and we have a religion while we're sitting eating our toast with our feet up at the fire and everybody's out praising God that night. Hello? It isn't about Sunday morning church or Sunday evening church, smoes and snows, <laughs> Sunday morning onlys and Sunday night onlys. It's about believing, having a reality that Christ is living, that He is alive and that He is well that he is within your heart and that you have been saved by his sovereign grace and that he is coming back again and he's going to be not working for your salvation but working for service for him. And every one of us will stand before him. Do you know you'll stand before him as a Christian how you lived your life and whether how you got on, the gifts, the talents. Some of you folks have got great gifts and great talents now you can't get you shifted. Can't get you moving. Can't get you using them. Some of us have tremendous gifts and talents. There are some churches that when they find someone with a gift and their talent, they're afraid of them becoming too popular and they would nearly tell them not to do it. It doesn't work like that in CET, you know. If you have a gift or a talent, I'm using it. <laughs> and listen, see if you're not willing to use it, then I'm going to pray, Lord, give it to me. I want that gift and talent. Just being honest with you. I'll use it for your glory. You see, I don't know where you were the night you got saved. But the night that I got saved, I was in a terrible way. I was tormented of the devil. I was suicidal. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I hadn't a roof over my own head. I lived, sofa surfed everywhere I could get somewhere to stay. And when I came to Christ, the only friends I had were in the world. And I knew, see, if I could see it, I'd have to leave all them. Well, thank God I did. Because, see, that's the problem. Living, if you've been saved, you live your life as according to what the reality of Christ is in your life. You know why? Because I knew my life couldn't be with them anymore. 
My life couldn't be walking with that crowd anymore. My life couldn't be in those places anymore. And nobody had to preach to me. Nobody had to tell me. You know why? Because Christ was in me. Christ was in me. I just don't get the idea of Christians where they're, 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 they're wanting to be so worldly in the church. It brings them in. It brings them in. Let's have worldly sort of worship with Christian lyrics onto it. See, while I'm here, I'm just letting you know, never, never. So please don't ask it. When I got saved and came to the Lord here, this was something like my words, God, I didn't even know what to call him Lord. And I thought I was being a good Presbyterian too, you know. I went to BB about 20 years beforehand, and I thought that marked my card for me. And this is what Adonis says, God, God, will you save me? I've nothing to give you. I've no money. Look at the state of me. My body's wrecked. The doctors tell me I'm, I'm, I've internal bleeding around my stomach and I'm passing blood. And, and the doctors tell me you're either you're going to kill yourself, you're slowly dying, you have to stop it, and I couldn't. I said, but I'm coming to you because apparently that man says that you can do this. That was Pastor James McConnell, by the way. I said, that man says that you can set the captive free. That man says that you can break every yoke and chain of bondage. That man says that you can release the drug addict and the, drug and, the, and the alcoholic. See that man up there? I believe him because you know why? I was weighing up the man's preaching to what he was saying and I was going, he really believes what he's preaching. It wasn't a, it wasn't a sheet of paper. Oh, let's just read a format of this book. He knew him and I knew it. He knew him. And I says, God, this man says it's you. It's only in you. He preached the cross of Christ. He preached the blood of the Lamb. He preached the forgiveness of sins. He preached the healing of the body. He preached the captives set free. He preached it. And see me, an old sinner in my seat, sitting there shaking from head to toe. I was like a pipe cleaner was that skinny with all with, with the drugs in, in my lifestyle. My clothes that I had were just hanging on me. With nothing. I said, but see if you can save me like he says. I give my life to you. Well, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. There at the cross, the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Ah, bless him. Oh, bless him. And from that night, I've never been the same. This isn't about my testimony. This is why I'm saying this because I had enough time to bring what I'd written. And the Lord led me this way. <laughs> so I thought, let's just talk about what he has done. Amen. Listen, people say, I can't give it up. 
I can't give up my sexual immorality. I can't give up the drink. I can't give up the, the womanizing or the, the manizing. Is there a manizing? I don't know if that's the real word. <laughs> I can't give it up. They're Christians. Listen, Christian. Listen. Now, listen to me. Do you see a few of mad Christ and you're saved? You may struggle. Yes, we all do. But victory is yours if you really want it. If you really want it. You know what the problem is? We want the other things too much. Love Christ first. First. And if you love him and his desire, you, he is your desire. The desire of your heart is only for him first and foremost. And the desire of all that you are, uh, that he is alive in you, and you really, fully, totally, wholeheartedly believe that Jesus can do as the Word of God says it does, that when you're saved, you're set free, you're forgiven, you're washed, you're justified, you're sanctified by the Spirit, you're sealed under the day of redemption, then you have something to rejoice in! You have something to glory in. Glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Kim, what have you got the glory in? Absolutely nothing. Here's what I said to the Lord this morning. Coming down, actually here in the car. Oh God, forgive me. Just for being me. Lord, I don't know why, but I'm grateful that you love me. You see, if our conversation, our lifestyle, should be as it becomes, it should weigh up to the gospel. The gospel is a galleon, the good news. The gospel is good news. The gospel isn't God's going to beat the Christian with, notice I said the believer, now the Christian with a big stick. No. I think it was in the song we sang, we even sang it, that the wrath of God was satisfied. Where was the wrath of God satisfied, brother? Sister, where was the wrath of God satisfied? Let the devil hear it. Where? The wrath of God was satisfied at Calvary when Jesus shed his blood and died. He cried from the cross, It is finished! That rotten scoundrel who doesn't want anything to do with me, who is dead in his trespasses and his sins, the rotten, filthy sinner who's sitting there sofa surfing wherever he can get his head down, who has absolutely nothing to offer me, I've just taken his sin, Father, and I've bore it all away. Someone once asked me some years ago, why, Ken, do you, if I can call it class herself, they said the word, as a Pentecostal. This is why. I knew nothing about Pentecostal. I knew nothing about the gospel, really, either. But this is why I class myself as that's, I don't like being put into brackets, but that's what it is, Pentecostal. Because the night that I got saved, Jesus came into my, my heart, but he went right through my body. And from that moment, 
that night I, w- I was spiritually tried by the enemy when I went home. And this tall, dark figure overstood me, maybe nine, ten foot tall, just like this. I was laying on the floor, no bed. I could feel it. Just see the shadow figure. And it says, first time ever, Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. I mean, it's not just Lord Jesus. No, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. And I says, Lord, what I said, what I prayed tonight in that meeting, I have meant it with all of my heart. And it was gone. Peace came in. You see, you need to understand that if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. He is Lord over everything. Not just my life. He is Lord over everything. And the man and the woman who fully surrender themselves to Christ, when he has become their desire, you know what happens? The desire for him becomes greater than the desire for all those other things. Brother, sister, I'm going to close this because I know that clock's slow. We started by that clock anyway, didn't we? So we should be finishing the... Here's the thing. The man and the woman who let their conversation or their life be, lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, when they're wed together, here's what they find. They don't even want to offend their Lord. Now listen. It's not that I can't go out and drink or I can go to the shop and buy cigarettes and smoke. And you may say, I can't, I, I, I can't get rid of this. Yes, you can Yes, you can. He's either a miracle working God or he's not. He's either your strength and your help and your hope or he's not. Yes, you can. Notice, by the way, there are only things I'm just showing for example. There's many things. Just write these scriptures down for this point and we'll finish here. So if Christ is in our life, And he has become the very central point, focus, and desire of all that we are. Okay? Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22 says. Now, listen. Repeat this after me, will you? Put your hand up, would you? Put your hand up. Repeat after me. I do solemnly declare that what I'm about to hear, I will not fall out with a pastor. First Thessalonians 5 and 22. Listen to what Paul says. 
about our lifestyle. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Paul is saying to you and I, even if it's going to look wrong, don't do it. Now here's where some people might fall out me, but it's just true. I don't understand when young people, especially unmarried, go away on holidays together. And they say they're Christians. Because people look at it and say, they're away on holidays together and they're not saved. Or they're not married and they're saved. All appearance, even if it looks wrong. Brother, here's something for your sake and for the, the other person's sake. Don't be in the building on your own with another young lady. Vice versa, ladies. Not that anybody's thinking anything wrong, but it might be construed wrong. All appearance of evil. I just let the Lord speak to your heart without me pinpointing everything else. Just giving you an idea. And let him speak to your hearts. The Lord says, this is what I'm showing you. This is where I'm speaking. And inside you're going, I hate that pastor for saying that. Acts chapter 15. Here's one for you. Verse 20. Just write it down. You can follow me. Abstain from the pollution of idols. From, from all. Pardon me. Abstain from pollution of idols from fornica- and from fornication. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. Sex before marriage is fornication. But listen. I'm not saying you can't be forgiven or go, oh my God, you can. It's not the, it's, this is not something I'm saying, oh, you're damned to hell about. But the pollution of idols, everybody skips it. Do you know what pollution of idols is? Here's the, let me put it this way. Do you pray over your food? Who prays over their meals? Okay. Let me put it this way. Who prays over their meals at home? Okay. Here's another one. Who prays over their meals in a restaurant? Oh, it's getting less, isn't it? Yeah. Who prays over their meals in a restaurant? You should pray over every meal. You know why? Because see the food that you're having, that could be halal meat. Sacrifice the other gods. Even the stuff you have at your home. You don't know where it's been, what's been happening. It could have been prayed over by some satanic cult you don't know that it could be offered up to some god and then put into the food chain you don't know that pray over it now listen don't be praying over the pig and expecting it to turn into a steak <laughs> now i know i'm in for another kick and we're going to say this more close it's time is going <laughs> i personally keep the biblical food laws okay 
I keep them because God told Israel not what to eat and what not to eat. And people get into the Old Testament and say, well, that's all Old Testament. Okay, look, we can go into a whole, te- a whole uh, teaching about that sometime for you. But the pig, for example, or shellfish, the pig is an, I don't eat them, but the pig is an abomination unto the Lord. It's the garbage can of the animal kingdom. It has no sweat glands and oozes out pus from its feet. See, when I was young, my dad used to bring back boiled pig's feet. No, we couldn't afford hardly anything. And he'd come home from work, I'd say, eat between the toes and all. <laughs> and now I realize that, you know, that, I mean, what was in that? The impurities that it eats is in the meat. You eat those impurities. God says, don't eat it. It's an abomination. And here's the thing. I look at you with your hands on me just know. And your bacon bodies. And your big, your, your, your big, big sausages and the salami on your pizzas and all. You know, and I, I look at all that and I go, oh dear, 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 dear. But that's Old Testament. Oh, but here's the thing. You say we have to uh, receive everything they eat with Thanksgiving. Here's the thing. Let me take the words of Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was brought into a... I'm going to have to shut this meeting because it's time to wait time to go home. Smith Wigglesworth was, was asked to go for a lunch, okay? And he went for dinner to this, lunch, uh, this woman's home where he'd been preaching, and they sat down and says, Mr. Wigglesworth, would you please say grace? This is what Smith Wigglesworth prayed, and it's documented. So he sits down and he says, Lord, if you can bless what you've cursed, will you bless this pig? Now here's the thing, there's a, a pig farmer friend of ours, you know him too, and he sat and told me, he says, Ken, I'm, I would love to get out of it if I can because I've realized this in the scriptures, I'm trying to change it, and this is what he said about it, he says, see when you look into a pig's eyes, you can see it like it's souls looking out of you, out of you. he says, it's like you're eating another human being only deformed. It's like some, that's why the Lord, he cast the devils out of legion into the swine. Who's having ham for their lunch? (laughs) Who's going home to have dinner? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You... Now listen, I have people they send me stuff online and they take a hand out of me. I don't say they take a hand out of me, but they take a hand out of me. <laughs> and and, and they, they, get out, they get at me something terrible, you know, about it. And there's a lot of, you know who the worst against us is? Other Christians. Even the world will go, is that right? Just say that. That's why Jews don't eat it. Even the, even the Muslims don't eat it. But the Christians are like, oh, we're British, we're going to eat well, the word of God said to Israel, no. And when Paul says, I don't want to go into this whole teaching, but when Paul says to eat whatever you, what, uh, all things that are good for food, all food, are, uh, here's, the, here's what he's saying. He's looking from a Jewish perspective, don't forget. All food that is, all things that are good for eating are good for food. So Paul, according to nowadays, Christians would believe then, we pray over a poisonous tree frog. 
There's maybe tree frogs, you see them sometimes in, the, the, in South America, and you get the arrow, and they rub the tip of the arrow on it, and the wee monkey's up the tree. Just the tip, they don't, can't even touch the frog, and they do that with it. Boom, and they shoot the monkey, and within seconds, the monkey's dead. You ever see that? Is that good for food, I wonder? Who would pray over that needed? <laughs> see, the problem is transubstantiation is also in the Christian church right. in the sense where we believe we pray for the pig and it turns into a steak. Right. How did I get onto that one? <laughs> it's a main thing. <laughs> Acts 15, 29. Abstain from meats which are offered to, offered to idols. Abstain from meats which are offered to idols. You see, Paul talks about the meat in the shambles or the, 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 the marketplaces. You see, with the Jewish mindset, he's not going looking to buy pork. He's going looking to buy venison or even goat or sheep. You see, as long as it chews the cud and splits the hoof, the Lord says you can eat it. He says, but if it doesn't do both, one might do one and not the other. Vice versa. And don't. God said that. So when people say, why do you not eat pork or pig or whatever? That's why I don't. I don't eat shellfish. And I, don't. I keep all those food laws. Now, to the best of my ability, because the government pumps everything into our food. It needs to be kept from from the very top of a nation down. Here's the thing, and I'll close. I believe that's why. Not only with the additives and the sprays and the fames and everything, but I believe that's why there's so many sicknesses, so many cancers, so many tumors. Do you know a pig has a worm that doesn't die when you eat it? It's in its meat, microscopic worm. It's called the trichinine worm. You can fry it and bake it, boil it, whatever you want to do with it, cook it. But see, when you eat it, it goes into your gut. And there's people who have had the worm travel to their brain and feed on their brain to the day. <laughs> you know what I'll do some morning? I'll open up the biblical food. Who would like me to teach in the biblical food laws? And show you more. Okay. Because here's the thing. See, once you go into that, here's the question. Oh, he must be some sort of cultic figure. You know, and I go, it's the Bible. Paul says, pray over it with thanksgiving. Okay, I'll go and get that tree frog and we'll see how you get on. <coughs> it's like the, the host wafer becomes the body of Jesus. Transubstantiation means it changes. And Christians tend to think that it's the same with food. So that's not finished. We were in holidays some years ago in Spain. So we were in the swimming pool. Our guards were a good bit smaller. And I was in the swimming pool with them. And I don't even know if they could swim at that point or not. But this young girl comes in and she ended up, she was from the south of Ireland, somewhere maybe Dublin or wherever. And they made friends and they're playing about. And one day we're at the shallow end of the pool. And I'm just sitting on my head in the back on the, the side, floating away like this. So they're all playing just down the pool of it. And I heard the wee girl saying, So when would be your confirmation then? You see? <laughs> 
And our girls went, what? So the girls came in and went, Dad, when's our confirmation? <laughs> what do you mean that I went, we're confirmed you get saved, love. You know, Holy Spirit confirms you. So I went, oh, right, right. So the wee girl didn't understand. They didn't understand. This conversation went on. And the wee girl then talked about dropping something. And the wee girl says, from their priest, says, who's ever heard of three-second rule? <laughs> that when you drop something, it doesn't matter what it drops into, you can pick it up and do uh, within three seconds and eat it. <laughs> you know why I see? It, it doesn't, it's not really dirty. You know that, that sort of thing? This is what the wee girl said. And I said, no, love, see if you drop it, put it in the bin. Just, no, don't be eating it. And it's the same here. People think that the three-second rule is this, that if we go and pray over these things, no matter what it is, we're allowed to eat it. The word says you're not. The word says you're not. So, have a nice lunch. <laughs>